Good morning, everybody, and welcome to our webinar this morning, Employee Ownership Trust, Why and How. Uh, I'm Kevin Uppin. I'm the chairman of Avondale Corporate. I'm going to be hosting today. Uh, we've got about an hour. Uh, I'll be talking to you a little bit about the why and how for 10 minutes, some of the technicalities, um, and then I'll be joined by Nigel Roberts from Bembo Group, uh, who have actually uh, recently just gone through employee ownership uh, and are enjoying life afterwards. So what's it like actually running uh, an employee ownership business? Uh, today's interactive in the sense of Nigel will be chatting to me. Uh, all questions really welcome. This is your opportunity to ask any questions you like on employee ownership trusts and uh, what they are, how they are, and what they like to 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 live with. Uh, Nigel and I have been having fun with tech this morning. We can't turn each other's cameras off. Nigel has come up with a brilliant idea of putting a piece of paper over his screen. But Nigel, could you just take the paper off, check it works, and wave? Look at that. There hey, we go. Look high technology, yeah, here we are. Today. <laughs> we're really high tech. Okay. Put okay. the paper back over now. I'm going to start talking. <laughs> there we go. Okay. So, as I say, we'll be recording the session today. We will be circulating the slides afterwards, uh, but please, please, please ask us questions as, as we go. Okay, uh, employee ownership trusts, what are they, uh, why and how? Well, um, employee ownership trust is a growing sector. Uh, there are some 1,300 now in the UK. It's growing at around 300 companies a year. Uh, we're advising uh, around seven to eight a year. On, on, on the structure and how to achieve the sale. Why is it growing? Uh, well, there's the 0% capital gains tax, which is, of course, the big headline for, for, for sellers. Um, but I also think uh, employee ownership trust businesses creates competitive advantage because um, they increase retention, particularly around when you do a sale, it's a good idea to sort of load into your business model a bit of margin for an employee bonus. The government allow up to 3,600 a year tax-free allowance per employee. So um, obviously that doesn't make a big difference to senior management, but for the guys and girls on the shop floor, it's really important uh, and can make a big difference. And we're here from Nigel with 82 staff in, in, in Newton Abbott, how that's uh, gone down uh, with their employees. So employee ownership's a growing area. It's not a new model. John Lewis is the biggest. Um, but in 2014, the uh, uh, government put in the 0% tax. Now, all the main parties continue to want employee ownership trusts. So even if they knock the CGT on business sales, which is 10% on the first million, 20% um, thereafter, even if they push that up to 40% with some sort of retirement relief, which is likely, um, we still think there'll be a positive tax break for employee owned. But there probably is a window of opportunity in the next couple of years only at the 0% uh, uh, rate. So people like them. Um, they like them also because they deal with succession. There are many, many companies that really just aren't ideal for trade sales, normally because they don't have necessarily great recurring revenue or they've got a high cost of scale up. Um, if you look at a joining business like Nigel's, you know, it's a, a really big plant they've got down there and manufacturing site, you know, you can't easily expand that beyond increasing the capacity in the site. So, um, you know, it's a very good business, but actually tripling it would be quite difficult and buyers like to try and triple companies. So some businesses just aren't that sexy for trade, trade buyers. Um, we know with Benbo, for example, they did try and find trade buyers and, and just didn't succeed. So employee ownership trust is uh, was a better route for, for, for them. Um, and, and actually, employee ownership really is a new management buyout where managers don't want to sign up, personally guarantee money. Um, but also the other problem with management buyouts is sellers very much have to back off and leave management in, in charge. And, and they worry because often they're being paid over time. They worry about the sort of credit risk of those payments, where with employee ownership trust, sellers can stay involved. Um, and that's really, really critical. I think it's also important for many, many people these days who recognise that, you know, being a high net wealth with lots and lots of money and not necessarily having any um, you know, commercial interest can actually uh, be, be disruptive. So they like work. They want to stay involved. Employee ownership allows them to do that. 
So uh, we're advising on seven or eight a year. Those are the sort of trends of, of, of the sort of companies that might be doing it. Um, how does it work? What do we do? We set up a new company. It's a company limited by guarantee. And that buys the old company. Typically, it must be more than 50%. We tend to like 100 because it's clearer, it's simpler for the employees, and it's much easier with HMRC. But also, the 0% tax break is only on the first slice. So any future percent retained, if it were sold in the future, would be at capital gains tax. And really, the trust is the only natural buyer anyway. So it's better to lock in you know, a higher value on 100% if you can, um, rather than, than, than doing sort of what's known as a hybrid model and retaining percentage. We set up a new co, it's a company limited by guarantee, and it buys the old co over a period of time. Let's look at how we value them and how that cash flow might work therefore. Um, now, most private companies are valued on a price earnings ratio. We use that with HMRC, certainly in terms of uh, EOT valuations getting the tax clearance. But the reality of EATs is the value is driven slightly differently. Um, first of all, it's have you got any spare cash at completion? And it's a good idea if you're going to do an EOT to build that up. So stop taking money out, build up by director's loan, for example, build up your reserve because we can get that out at 0% on completion, which is you know, really saving you 38% dividend tax, um, which is the current rate on, on, on income. But then the second way that we're financing them, so that's the initial process, but then the second way is what we call a vendor loan. Now that vendor loan is a gift subject to cash flow. So it's quite unusual in, 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 in EOT. Um, basically, it can only be paid from distributable reserves. So although it's contractually obliged and it's scheduled, the company's got to have the money to pay it. Now that avoids people prejudicing the employees but it does mean the sellers are taking the credit risk on, on, on the loan. But they'd be doing that anyway with a management buyout. Here, they can have more control and influence by sitting on the board or sitting on the trust. And, and we'll examine that when we talk when we talk to Nigel. Sometimes we're accelerating that vendor loan, which is coming out of the future cash flow of the business by getting third party debt. Um, and uh, we use people like ThinkCat, Shorebooks, et cetera, to accelerate that often to 2.25 times the initial EBITDA as an initial cash sum. But you really do need profits in excess of 750K to get uh, um, those finance. Having said that, we're doing one at the moment, we're just raising a mortgage on a property because there's plenty of equity in the property and that's only going to be 700K, but that's going to increase the, the, the upfront uh, to, to the seller. Most of the EOTs we're doing, we're structuring over six, seven, eight years. The logic behind that is that's within the management cycle of the existing management. So they get to see the upside once the vendor loan or loan notes being paid off. Remember, they're not personally guaranteeing it. You don't even, until we've got tax clearance, need to consult with management about doing this. Um, and actually, in a way, we sort of recommend that you don't. Because we all know we've got tax codes, we also want to know what, what, what structure we're going to do. So when we present it to them, it, it's really uh, professionally thought through and, and, and presented. Because getting the management on side is, of course, a key part of an EOT. Because hopefully, as you step back as sellers, they're the ones that are going to drive that cash flow to make sure that you get your, your, your money out at percent tax. In a strange way, there is a second tax break really here. If we're using the cash flow of the business over the future, and that's no different to a leverage buyout or a management buyout, um, uh, you could say, well, we, we could carry on taking the money and running it and using it and taking income. And, and the answer is you could uh, try and put it under management and take the cash flow out by dividend, but you will be paying 38% tax and you won't have dealt with your succession. Um, so a really good and important part of EOT is, 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 you know, really that additional tax saving on that future cash flow, but also dealing with your succession. It's how do we hand over to management? How do we create a team-driven business? What's in it for the team? Well, all employees get to be beneficiaries. They must be treated equally. They get this up to 3600 a year tax-free bonus. Um, that can be based on length of service, hours, or pay or an algorithm of all three. We quite like ours because it makes it more of a cooperative. But what we also tend to do when we do EOT planning, sitting around the strategy, 
is we look at how we promote the management and push the management into the upper quartile of pay for the sector, because then that creates alignment for them on what we call a team-driven business. But it's quite important, none of the employees on the um, what we call the indirect EOT model, um, we, we recommend none of them who actually own the shares direct. And that means that it deals with all the comings and goings of staff, they're only beneficiaries whilst they're in, employees. Um, and really it's less about the shareholder value for them because their EOTs are less likely to be resold and it's more about building benefits for them over a period of time. They're less likely to be resold because essentially they are cooperatives, but also the CGT has actually only just rolled over to the trust. So you, you could have a, 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 a fairly hefty capital gains tax charge if the trust were to elect to sell. And on top of that, any distributions would be out on a, uh, a PAYE basis. So a pretty hefty tax bill across all the employees. Add to that, um, all the employees have suddenly got beach money, which may put a bar off. Now, there are going to be ways to structure that, but there's just not much evidence of these reselling at the moment. So we do urge people, don't discuss this as a shareholder value play for the team. This is more about the bonus and actually what we want to do is build benefits in over time to the team. So what happens, who runs it after sale? And, and we can hear from Nigel in a real live case study in a minute uh, how we see that. Uh, but ultimately, you end up with management in the centre. They are going to run the business on an ongoing basis. They are centre stage. They are the ones that look after the business model, commercial operations, the, you know, uh, the P&L, if you like, and making sure the business model stays relevant. And then on either side, we've got the employee, which is really an employee representative who sits on the trust. But we do want to hear from them more. So you might put in some more instruments over time around how we're going to engage employees and hear from them and, uh, and get them more involved. Uh, but of course, you don't rush that because you've got the loan note to pay. So the last thing you want to do is rush out to the employees and say, oh, what new additional benefits do you want all overnight? Because they get very excited and then... You, you, you know, you can't deliver it because the company has got to pay for itself to buy itself to get the, the, the value over to, to the trust. And then the professional trust, normally a, a professional trustee, an ex-seller to make sure they manage the credit risk of those, uh, those payments and loan notes and an employee representative is the business being run for the benefit of the employees. I like to think of it as the, in the end, the trust is the school governor, and the management's the headmaster. Um, school governors watching the watching brief. Is, you know, is the business being run for the benefit of the employees? And part of that is, are the payments being made to the ex-seller? Because that's critical. Until the, pay the payments have been paid off, you don't really get these additional benefits kicking in on a, on a big scale to, to the employees. And then the management is, can we make sure we keep the business model going, keep that cash flow in, and therefore make those payments, and then we get the upside of potentially higher salaries and, and, and bonuses, et cetera, as we go forward. Um, so that's a little bit on structure. We are, as I say, again, take some questions. I've seen some coming in now anyway. But whilst we do that, let's bring Nigel into play. Nigel, could you remove your piece of paper? I love it. Oh, he's not there. There he is. I'll give you a slight delay just to <laughs> make you think. <laughs> Time lag. Um, so, uh, Nigel, welcome to our, our webinar this morning and, and really appreciate your time uh, joining us. Uh, I can't actually remember, was it nine months ago or 12 months ago? Uh, July last year, whatever that is. Last year. So, okay, yeah. yeah. Yes. Time flies, time flies. So, Nigel, what, what, I think, what led you to employee ownership trust in the first place and, and uh, what appealed uh, to you? Well, as you? As you mentioned, we'd looked at um, a trade sale uh, and we did have some interest from uh, trade buyers. Uh, the difficulty for that was uh, we were concerned about where they would take the business. We had put ourselves in a pretty niche market, developed a great reputation um as you mentioned we've got over 80 employees um and, and we know all of those and got to know all of those pretty well and they're most of them are very long serving employees so we really cared about where the where the company's going to go in the future um so that we had a trade sale um sort of on the line as it were but it wasn't suiting us rather than not having any interest 
So we then went to uh, the other thing that you mentioned, which was to put management in place so we could step back. I say we as um, a colleague and I uh, own the business between us, so two of us. So we could step back a little bit from day-to-day -day operations, uh, let them um, run the day-to-day -day stuff, but also give us a chance to teach them what's involved in that and be there for any um, you know, more critical uh, decisions and occasions. And that was working very well. And we were taking uh, some dividends out each year. Uh, and if we'd have ended up carrying on at that rate, um, you know, ad infinitum, that would have been okay. But as you mentioned, uh, we've been taxed heavily on on the dividends we take out. Um, and then along came the, the EOT option, which answered, you know, all of our questions. We could still uh, direct that business uh, in the niche market that we found. Um, the, the jobs of everybody that's working there are as secure as they could be, provided the business is well run. Um, and we can still take an involvement in it and, and help where we need to. Uh, so it was too good to be true, to be honest. Obviously, the tax benefits are also too good to be true. But it, in the end, hopefully, Bembo will stay local uh, and, and contribute locally and beyond you know not been funny you and john were getting a little bit older weren't you so you had to think about it <laughs> yes. well, speak for yourself but yeah, <laughs> yeah. so yeah, you're right there was uh there was no obvious other exit in sight we talked about management buyouts yeah. um and there wasn't that much appetite for that amongst the management great as they are um, but I don't think they wanted to find themselves in our position of wondering, okay, how do you actually get an exit out of this business? Uh, yeah, and actually, so that is a downside of management buyouts. I think it's not talked about. The EOTs are a, 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 a real positive, but in the past, management buyouts were all about when I buy it, I'll double it, I'll make my value on the shareholder value. Yeah. Um, but if they knock capital gains tax up to forty percent, that actually really changes the equation. And, and, the, and then, of course, the other tension is what happens if you've got management that want to buy it, and then you've got sellers that want to sell. Management want to buy it as cheap as possible because they don't want to personally guarantee more money. Sellers want a pretty good price because they put their heart and soul into it and take all yep. the risk. Whereas with EOTs, they're more vendor-led. Um, you, you know, you're you're looking at the valuation over a period of time. Um, and because you're staying involved, they're quite soft as well. So if 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 the business doesn't do well, then the period will kick out. If it does well, then it will it will, it will come in more quickly. How how how's your performance been going since the EOT? How how have the team found it in in? Uh... Yeah. So performance wise, the the business has performed extremely well, which is good. Um, we factored in in year one uh, an EOT bonus for all the employees. And that was a really important thing to do because I think the whole the the general employee base kind of understood what the EOT was about, weren't quite sure. But as soon, of course, as, as they start seeing that they they get a bonus, a tax-free bonus uh, in the first year, it kind of wakes them up to thinking actually this this is real. Yeah. Um, so that was important to do. Um, and as I say, we had already put in place a new board of directors who we did we had promoted internally so they were long-serving employees themselves uh, we trained them up over a period of time um, to take on that role because it's it's a role it's very difficult to train for being a director of a of a medium-sized business like ours um, they've picked up on client relationships extremely well developed those so that's obviously a uh, when you're heavily personally involved in a business um, as, as a major factor. Uh, but I would say they've taken those forward, um, you know, beyond where we probably would now. So they've done very well with that. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's performed very well. I think what's really interesting, you said very difficult to train for management of a, a small business. And, and actually, again, with an EOT, where you might have a management gap, so you couldn't put it under management because it's still relying a bit on you and your insights and what have you, it means you've got time to fix that. Um, most small companies don't put enough money into training the management so that they they you know they understand fiduciary risk, cash flow, balance sheets, P and L. You know, it, as an employee, that's not the world they live in, is it? Um, 
um, you know, contingent liabilities on leases and stuff. But with an EOT, you've got time to train that, you've got time to communicate that, and you can therefore gently step back your hours and, uh, and involvement. Nigel, you've done that, haven't you? You've been reducing hours since last July. I was just going to say, I've done exactly that. So um, I think to start with, uh, the other directors of management were a little nervous as to what was going to happen. The big message from us was there really is no change. We're going to carry on. The, the company itself carries on doing what it did before. Um, and the fact we've now had over 12 months to prove that has helped immensely. So they've grown in confidence with it. Um, so, you know, that's been a really positive thing out of staying involved. But yes, I'm now um, less and less involved in the day-to-day -day business um, matters, which is great. I'm still on the board, so I still uh, will go in for, um, for board meetings and any other meetings that, that you know, might I might be requested to come and attend, um, but they are fewer and further between than they were when we started. So, yeah, I'm starting to, to really uh, enjoy a bit of life away from from work. And when you're an owner, um, business owner, it's quite hard to see ahead when you will ever actually be able to do that. Uh, but I can do it because I'm confident in the, the management team that are running the business. I've got every confidence uh, that they will pay the loan notes out or the business will be able to afford to pay them out. If we end up with a hiccup in a you know a year or two, you can never tell what's going to happen in the future. So if we have a couple of tough years, uh, then I'm able to defer some of those payments if that's going to help the business. And I think, as you mentioned earlier, if it's doing particularly well, it can be accelerated. So it's, it's, it's a really comfortable place to be in. Yeah. I have asked Nigel the question before, you know, because I like work, but I, I also like, you know, swanning about and enjoying myself, you know. Have you got bored in the time was? Yeah, I think I answered that. I've never been bored and I never will be. I've always <laughs> got so many things I'm involved in doing. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's, it's more about pleasure than work, although I enjoy work as well. So Yeah, it's good. Well, see, we've, got, we've got a good balance coming through on that, but that's good. good. We, we've got some questions coming in, Nigel, and I'd say I'm, I'm really keen for, uh, you know, all, all attendees, please fire questions in. So it'd be good to uh, try and bring some of those out. Some, I think, are for me, quite technical. Um, but uh, one I like here is, uh, how do you positively engage employees post-EOT? Sorry, say that again? How do you positively engage employees post-EOT? So once you've done the sale, how do you do it? What's involved? Uh, in terms of explaining it to employees? Well, explaining and engage them, just sort of lock them in, keep them, reminding them, you know, that they are beneficiary owners and what that means. Uh, so, yeah, initially by an, an announcement um, for them. So... When we were in um, lockdown in COVID, I started doing a regular uh, newsletter, if you like, or just email out to everybody. At that time, it was to let them know that we're still there because we'd, we'd closed the business for a while. Uh, I'll shut the premises down. Uh, but I kept that going. So I was able to use that to explain what's coming up and what's going to happen. Um, and because it was already in place, they, it was kind of already credible. They they understood what I was saying to them and, uh, and then the reasons for it. Uh, and then beyond that, um, we're, we're quite a personable business uh, at, uh, at the factory. So I'm regularly out uh, talking to, to everybody on the shop floor and management. Uh, and John, my colleague, has been much the same. So uh, we've fielded questions from, from people as we've gone out or just go out and, and chat to people. Uh, and, and I think the more you can do that, the more we'll put them at ease. Um, and, the, and the employee bonus again this year, you hope, the equality bonus? And Indeed, yeah. Uh, I call it the equality bonus. It, 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 it's not described there in the, in the legislation, but it makes sense because it has to be paid equally. I think you guys do it on ours, don't you? Uh, no, we just did it across the board. Across the board, yeah. Okay. We gave everybody yeah. uh, the same amount from, from top to bottom. Yeah, okay. Um, which was a big message for, for the shop floor employees. Yeah. Um, and I think they felt good for that, that everybody really was being treated equally. Yeah. Uh, and, a, and a very positive step from the board of directors. It was their, their suggestion. Yeah. 
Um, but but they, they still have their performance-related pay bonuses on top. So you run, you run yeah. both schemes. You run both schemes. So that's yeah. fine. Yeah, yeah, that's good, good, good. Um, so I've got some questions here on on sort of valuations and are the payments after corporation tax, for example. Um, um, and what are the valuation principles there? Just to redraw re, re on that, see, private companies are normally valued on a price earnings multiple of profit. And yeah, normally a business like Nigel might be saying multiple of five, something like that, which is, yeah, 20% return on investment is the way you can look at it, plus whatever spare cash it's built up. We're not really looking at that here. What we're looking at, and it picks up on another question, is it's, it's the EBIT or EBITDA. Um, so we do need to allow for capex, um, and again, a business like Nigel, you've got a lot of lot of uh, equipment, um, fairly ma mature business. It got long life cycles, and they've already invested in that. So capex has has come down. We need to allow for that. We do need to allow for corporation tax, twenty five percent, and we need to allow for any bonuses and employee bonuses. So until we really know the strategy of who's going to run it, we can't value them. But what we are looking at is, yeah, what is that adjusted EBITDA? after the owners um earning before interest tax depreciation after the owners have adjusted their pay after uh capex after corporation tax that tells you what the spare cash each year might be and it's that we're then using to drive the valuation over over what period um uh, uh, and, and really you're locking that in with hmrc but you're not you're not discussing the technique we're using the reason we're using that technique which I think is important, and hopefully I'll, I'll sort of flip back to Nigel how he felt about that, but it's because the sellers are taking the credit risk. Because if you value it that way, it's not some arbitrary number picked out based on, on what the market might pay. It's a number they can own because they know that that is what their cash flow is and they're clear what their targets are going to be. Nigel, did, how did you feel about that process? Yeah, so, so um, it was good to have effectively an independent valuation of the business. And that was important um for the fellow directors because for people that you've been working with for a long time you inevitably get a little bit of green envy from some of them um and if it was a valuation that i had come up with then uh, that would have been a bit more difficult to explain but because avondale came up with a valuation albeit i know based on all of the numbers that i provided but the forecasts uh, that i put together for that were were pretty conservative because at the end of the day, I want to make sure that that business is going to be successful in the future, not only for the sake of the business, but also because I want it to be successful paying uh, myself and John off. So it doesn't pay to, to come up with forecasts that are a little bit uh, unrealistic. Um, I'm probably overly conservative, uh, but I'm not, you know, I'm not unhappy with uh, the valuation that came out of that process. Uh, I'm very happy with it. Uh, and are very comfortable with the fact that the business uh, should be able to pay for itself uh, over that reasonable period of time because of the conservative nature of the forecast. So, so that we're outperforming those forecasts. And we put, we put in interest as well to motivate them. So, that, that, you know, even though it's subject to cash flow, you know, there's a cost if they don't pay. Right? Yeah. yeah, and I mean, that's a pretty relevant question, actually, because interest rates... Uh, have suddenly gone up over the last 12 months, more than many people imagine they would do. Uh, and it may yet be going up again today, today indeed. Um, so, uh, again, we were conservative with the with the rate that we put in uh, over base rates. Uh, but it is noted by the boards that, um, you know, the, the cost of the, the whole EOT has gone up quite a bit. Yeah. The answer to that in the main is if it can afford to pay it off quicker. Um, we're also looking at waiving some other costs of salary that we draw um, out of the business, um, perhaps waiving that in favor of the interest that we're getting. So, we, you know, we're there, we want the business to work. Um, so we're, we're there to help too. Have you, uh, a good question here uh, for Med, have you, have you created an employee council? Uh, so we've got uh, one representative uh, from the employees, we talked. Uh, so, so when we started the EOT, we picked uh, one employee who agreed to do, stand in and be the representative, um, and that was for 12 months. After which, he would be either he or somebody else would be elected. And we talked about increasing the number of them then, um, but felt generally that it was a bit too early to add more um, to to that panel. 
um, because nothing's nothing's broken at the moment. It's working very well. Yeah. Uh, there was no, no need to change it. I think that's right. Again, little, little change and, and get your head down right now. It's a tough yeah. world out there. You just don't want to get distracted with this stuff. Uh, no, uh, and exactly that. You don't want to be distracted by it. Yeah, the big message was business as usual. So. But we've also had the question, Nigel, you guys can't be beneficiaries of the trust, which makes sense because you're a, you're a, you're ex-seller. So um, it, it is an HMRC requirement for the 0% tax that you can't be beneficiaries. But but the question is, how long can you stay? And the answer actually is, you, I don't think you can be employees as long as, you, as long as you want, as long as you're still competent. I mean... Yep, yep. so I mean, for the moment, I'm still a, a director... Uh, my colleague is uh, on the uh, board of trustees, so one of us needed to be on on there, and one of us remain as a director. Um, yeah, that doesn't have to be um, uh, forever, or or it could be for a longer time. Uh, you know, there's nothing fixed in that respect. Yeah. Um, okay. Other than I'm looking forward to fully retiring, um, so I will be appointing somebody to replace me as director in due course. Um, but but you, know, you do have the right. So to protect your money, you have the right to appoint a director, don't you? We, we, we've made sure legally that we've got that in the trust, uh, in the trust code, right. and and in and in the trade 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 code. So uh, uh, another question for you, Nigel: How long have your management team been with the company before you went down the the OT route? Um, probably an average of twenty five years. So they're long serving employees. We made them directors. Um, 2017, I think it was. Um, so we'd, we'd had a good period of time uh, working with them on the board um, before we, we got to the EOT. So we were in that luxurious position, if you like, of, of already allowing them to, to run the business uh, day to day with as much or as little involvement uh, from us uh, as necessary. It was more than, than it is now because um, I guess we had more vested interest in being there and securing a dividend income for the future. Um, how, when did we, when we, when we went in and talked about the EOT, when did we do that and how did we do it? And, and what, 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 you know, you talked, they, did, they didn't really want to do an MBO. How did they react? Uh, the, so the directors um, reacted with, yeah, a little bit of, a little bit of envy, a little bit of, um, um not suspicion but just concern about um you know where the business was going to be heading um how much would be changed for them um and it was it was a fairly fast flow uh program that we we um operated on wasn't it timetable yeah, yeah. which was more at my request um well i think but i also think it's important because you know you just don't want uncertainty to creep in so i think yeah we, we'd got tax clearance before you went and talked to them Exactly. So you could present it in a right way. Yeah. yeah. So so it was happening pretty quickly. At the end of the day, the decision was mine and my colleagues as the business owners, but yeah. we wanted to make sure that they were on board with it. Yeah. Um, and by and large, they were, and they, they pretty much are now. There were a couple of rumblings um, afterwards. We talked before that um, when you go through the EOT process, every bit of information that you've been privy to in the past, whether you've shared that with the board or not, becomes available to everybody that will sign a document. Um, and that, um, that caused a few discussions, but yeah, we're, we're beyond that now because they've seen how successfully it's working. That's, uh, and that, that's fair. But I, I agree, you know, the initial management, and I think it's great that they do this, by the way, is also because they're not quite as with it on the numbers as you are. What we've got to earn how much a year? How? Yeah. Um, and they are naturally nervous. And you point out, well, we have been earning that, and the forecasts say we're going to earn it, and you could take it by dividend, but this way, you're all getting the business for free. So there's a real upside. But in the end, you need the vendor's choice because um, you know we we've taken the risk we own the shares. So so I think I think they come on side. But I, I like. I've had it before where we've presented. I tend to run some of the change management to the man to, to the staff when we're when we're working. I've had it before where uh, some of the directors have almost been too positive about it. I don't like that. No. I, I prefer cynicism because it means they bench test it. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I get that. Yeah. But, 
so 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 i think you know like any sale there's always going to be a discussion um so uh, a question actually did the valuation improve or downgrade value versus the standard multiple method well normally our experiences we see that it does because these businesses that we're doing it would tend to be low multiple but nigel compared to the offers you were getting better worse uh better actually yeah yeah, I mean, we were some years down the line since that we'd had the previous offer. Yeah. But, um, yeah, notwithstanding that, I would say it was better. And versus exploring a trade sale, how did you find the process? Uh, exploring a trade sale is a very, very difficult process because you really don't want it known amongst the trade or amongst your customer base uh, that you're looking uh, at um, offloading the company to somebody else. Um, and again, versus the EOT, which is a much more positive um, message to clients um, that the business is, is staying within the ownership of, of its employee base. Um, we're able to, to relay that to people with much more confidence. Um, so, yeah, look, exploring a trade sale is pretty difficult. And with a, a medium sized business like ours, um, it's quite difficult to find a range of, of potentially interested um, buyers out there. Yeah, because it, it's not it's not a cheap buyer. So you're 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 too big for the small guys and too small for the big guys. Exactly. You? Yeah, you're, you're a bit stuck in the middle. So so it is pretty difficult. Yeah. What I would say is, having gone through that uh, exploration of a trade sale, um, put us in a really good position for the EOT um, because I carried on. Um, preparing all of the information that we'd previously done for um, for the trade sale. Um, and so it was sort of readily available when we were looking at EOT. Um, we'd already then looked at um, passing on some of the responsibilities to, to other management, which is important because if you're going to come out of the equation, the business has got to be able to carry on. So it did us a lot of favours, even though it didn't actually produce um, a, a, an outcome at the end. But then, and I've had a question here. They said the new owners are the, the, you know, the employee business owners, but how are your future sale treated? Again, I just want to stress that so the company has been bought by a trust. None of the employees typically own shares direct. You can do it so that some of the senior management do, but, but we question some of the motivations as to why you would do that. Um, but, but yeah, if it is a scale up, then you may use an EOT to drive uh, sort of interesting shareholder value across the whole employee base. But, but the fundamentals are the trust owns the shares on their behalf. So it's the trust that has to elect that it, uh, it would be resold and there will be capital gains tax and in, uh, you know salary tax on any distribution uh, out. So really not tax effective on future sales. But again, the other point here is we're looking at EOTs. We're trying to create purposeful businesses that contribute to their local economy and you know retain their employee favour. So they, they are cooperatives not really designed for a, a, a resale is probably the true spirit of them. And I think certainly, Nigel, that's how you see it, local investment. I mean, it's very respected in the in the community. Did you get any comments locally? Did, you, did, you, did people notice or...? Um, we didn't really break news out to the local community particularly. Yeah. Um, so I'd say not. Now and again, we, we came across other businesses that were doing a similar thing. So that sparks quite a, an interesting conversation. Um, and I would say now that it's starting to help with recruitment. So recruitment for us is, but um, well, is for everybody, but particularly for us is, is difficult because we've got a very small pool to, to pick on. We do our own training. So we train up apprentices. So we, we're, you know, we're a good story as a business locally, um, but bringing people in that we haven't already trained is, is very, very difficult to find them. Yeah. Um, but in the last, I don't know what, six, five or six months, a few more have uh, appeared on the scene. So maybe words getting around that, uh, you know, we're an employee owned business and there's, you've got a vested interest in it as an employee. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. That's a supposition on my part, but. No, no, I think that's right. I mean, I, I call it creating competitive advantage for employee ownership, that actually businesses are people 
if you've got better retention, if they're slightly better paid through the tax-free bonus, then of course by nature you're going to have advantage on the guy up the road, aren't you? Because you know you've got a lower training cost and and uh, you know you've got sort of more ongoing motivation. And once you guys are paid out, what we hope is that the trust can then increase those benefits. So, so, yeah. so, so that that story should grow. You know, you you offer the gym memberships or the death and service, life insurance, healthcare, all those sorts of things. Um, and, and general rates, pay rates can, can go up. So yeah. we've been lucky enough to be able to do that already. Right. Um, but it, it can happen in an even bigger way once yeah. we're out of the way. Correct, correct. So then that, that's, that's really exciting for the business model. And I think, therefore, is in the end why uh, all the stats are employee-owned businesses are more productive. Um, yeah. Uh, so, 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 so you are... You're getting a triple whammy. Not only are you getting your, your sales staying involved, your tax break, but you are actually contributing to the economy more effectively. Um, so, uh, you know, that, that, that's, that's good news in, in, in the equation. Um, I've had the question, how are any employees based abroad? Uh, you haven't got any, Nigel, but uh, the answer is they can be. Um, can be a bit awkward on the tax-free bonus because they can't benefit from that. Um, so we have to structure it slightly differently. Um, but yes, you can have overseas employees. Um, let's have a look, see whether we, what else we done. Can different employees have different states in the trace based on rank or appetite? Uh, yes, if, if you if you run the equality bonus based on salary, then you know that would be based on rank. Um, because if it were ever resold, then that's probably how the distribution would be made out. Um, but again, we like the idea, and Nigel's business has completely done this. Is you know, this is about we're all the same, we're all people, we're all equal. Uh, what we prefer to do is if there's somebody that's really good in the business, is give them the right performance related pay or salary package on top of the employee ownership, uh, sort of bonus equation. Um, uh, and so that, that that's good. Um, so Nigel. Just whilst I'm, I'm, I've got you on this, yeah. What hasn't worked? You've been very positive about it. What, 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 what didn't you like about it? What really worried you? So if you, you know, before you sign on all these, I think it was sixty pages of documents, isn't it? <laughs> Sorry, sixty documents even, isn't it? Yeah, I was going to say more than sixty pages actually. Yeah, I gave up crazy after a hundred, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what didn't I like? It, it, it's difficult to say because it the whole uh, deal seems too good to be true because it it satisfies us as uh, outgoing um, shareholders, satisfies the employees going forward, um, and it sort of kind of secures the legacy of the business going forward as well, which was the biggest important uh, factor to us. Um, the big the shock was uh, when all of the information became available to. Uh, everybody that signed so that would be all the directors but also the employee uh, representative so they are privy to a lot of very sensitive information none of which is wrong to be out there but uh, not everybody is able to interpret that in the right way um, and once you get a, a bunch of uh, workers together people together I was going to say guys but all of ours are mainly uh, chaps out there uh, they start talking to each other they will misinterpret some of the information. So that was that was the biggest concern. I have to say that's all now been allayed. It, it caused a few awkward conversations with the directors, not with the employee, wow. employee representative. Um, so I would just say to learn from our uh, experience is be prepared for that ahead of time. Um, well, and we we've actually in recent years or months changed the process so, so right. just to remind people the company limited by guarantees what charities use so that there's no there's no shares um the the, the 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 directors are the members um so you know again that deals with all coming and goes of, 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 of the holding um so when you appoint the directors of the trust they become the members 
Um, so what we do simply is we appoint the professional director, we appoint the seller director, but we don't appoint the employee director till just after completion because it, it gets rid of them having to look at hundreds and hundreds of pages of documents. And, okay, and, and right. so that's why it's different from what we did. So that, that's different to what we were doing and, and actually makes life a, a lot easier because there's less explanation to the employee rep. But I do agree with you, the employee representative, I mean, they should be balloted. They're there to act on the, on the board for... Uh, the responsibility of the employees, but they need to have, you know, ideally someone from finance or, or you know, who's got some understanding of what a trust is and what a share is. And, you know, if you say a company limited by guarantee, it shouldn't really be, um, you know, John or Janet from the shop floor to start with, um, because they, they need to understand a little bit about what, what, what are the risks of being a director, for example. And we always make sure we put directors and officers insurance in because, you know, it's important. They're not shareholders uh, directly. Um, they are taking more risk as a director. We want to make sure they're covered and and and, uh, uh, and, and looked after. We've had the question: uh, Can you do an EMI scheme alongside an EOT? And the answer is very much enterprise management incentive scheme. Um, some people do do it. Um, I think a lot of the EO advisors come in the past from selling EMI schemes. Um, they are a shadow shareholding. Um, I have some issues with them with EOTs, however, because again, it assumes the business is going to be resold for them to have a value. So my preference is to, to really put in better pay packages, pension packages, and so on for the senior team. That's more real for them and build that over time. An EMI scheme may never be realized. Um, uh, and the trust may not elect to sell because it's not so much in the interest of the employees long term um, as it is if, if you've got a shareholder trying to sell out. So a bit nervous about EMIs alongside it. We've got one at the moment where we are doing it and they're very clear that they are intent to grow the business threefold and that's why the EMI probably works for them. Um, but as I say, with a more sort of slightly steady eddy business, it, it, it's probably not uh, uh, the right thing to do. Um, just saying, have we got any more questions that we haven't covered for you, Nigel? Have a look. We have had the question how to optimize the valuation. I think we've talk, talked about that. It's really the period. Um, but the other one is making sure the forecasts are right as well. But here's a question here, actually, we haven't done. Did you look at when you were doing the trade sale? Did you do did you look at private equity? Did you did you consider that? Private equity sale? Um we must have discussed it. Um, but a, a trade sale seemed to be the best option for us at the time. Yeah. Um but um yeah no not not really not not really we we so many years ago i think we had a little look at it yeah. um when we were in a slightly different um sort of form yeah uh, but no. well uh, we should talk about it now i think private equity has increased there's a lot of private funds looking at uh doing deals we, we just had to have a, a, an offer in 20 million pounds from private equity on a, on a deal uh they are very good buyers um yeah, the advantage of private equity, if you've got recurring revenue and a, and a, a really sort of strong business model, you would probably get more cash up front. Um, so that, that's the big advantage of a private equity deal. The disadvantage is they will still structure some of it over a period of time because they can't avoid doing that. So you are trusting the suits, as it were. Um, and they are very Excel spreadsheet driven people uh, to run your business. Um, whereas I think Nigel and John, you know, whilst they do get the numbers and what have you, as you've heard, they still walk the shop floor. They understand what the guys are doing on the shop floor. Um, um, with the private equity as well, is it, they'll be looking for an exit as well. They will. You, yeah. You've still got that issue of yeah. the company needs to be saleable to a buyer somewhere, yeah. um, which is where the EOT stepped in so well for us. So, yeah. so yeah, it wouldn't have suited us as a long-term no. solution yeah. i always remember going around it was a business a bit like yours nigel private equity guys decided unfortunately to, to ask 
you know, as you do, sharing an interest in the equipment and plant and said, what's that? And, and my client very gently said, it's the boiler. <laughs> which rather expresses financiers in, in go back in, to your spreadsheet then yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolute genius absolute genius all right well i think we, we, we we've uh we've covered it today now really uh appreciate it is there is there any you would say at the end to to, to anyone that's looking at eocs or thinking about eot's uh final words of wisdom I'd Preparation is the, is the key, isn't it? So being prepared for it. As I mentioned earlier, we, we were prepared in as much as we'd already put a management board in taking care of the day-to-day -day business uh, matters. So things didn't revolve around the two of us all of the time. Yes, we were key to it uh, and involved in it day-to-day, -day, but we were already in a position where we would be able to step away relatively easily. Um, you know, and after 12 months now, um, I'm getting closer to, to stepping away, um, not altogether, but in terms of day-to-day -day operations altogether. Um, so it's all about yeah, preparation and what your desire is. If you've got a business that is very saleable um, and will be open to, to many a trade sale interest, then perhaps EOT isn't the answer. But for your, for your family businesses and your, your small to medium-sized businesses, uh, to me, EOT is, is a terrific uh, opportunity because you can secure where that business carries on going in the future. And if you put your life and soul into it, as we had, you're, you're proud of it, you want it to carry on. Um, so it, it certainly met that requirement for us um, tremendously. I think, you know, there's 1,300 at the moment. Uh, I think there's probably up to 20,000 people or 20,000 companies this season. Uh, my my instinct is Nigel that too many advisors and, and perhaps you know it's because anything's new we're a bit slow to take things up 2014 still relatively new but it it it's been made a little bit complicated and it's not as complicated as it sounds is it I mean that's the the the, 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 the heart of it and I think that slightly puts people off you know I I agree I, I think um the professionals the, the chartered accountants firms the, the ones I've come across they don't really get it. No. Um, so they are involved in in them because they've had to be, but yeah. they're not promoting them. And I think they do overcomplicate things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you can sort of wrap yourself up in in concerns if you're not careful, rather than seeing what can happen and seeing the positive side of it. Yeah, yeah. And that's just about working it through and putting the time in. And I tell you, the time involved in an EOT versus a trade sale, I mean, I've been selling companies for 30 years, so I can tell you it's a lot less stressful. A lot. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> well, having been through both, I suppose, yeah, I can, I so can agree. I, I, that. I, someone sent me a photo with some hair when I started, you know. So. <laughs> but been really brilliant hearing from you today, Nigel. And I'm sure if anybody's got any more questions, please fire them to me. My email is kevin.uphill at avondale.co.uk. I will forward them on to Nigel. If anyone wants to talk to Nigel further, I'm sure he'd be happy to have those conversations. It's been a real pleasure for you uh, joining us this morning and, and really appreciated. Uh, very helpful uh, to, to, to see life after the deal as well. Yeah, my pleasure, Kevin. And uh, probably most of those queries that, that may come in will be, what am I going to do with all my spare time? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, yeah, that's always going to be the question. But... If I find you in Tuscany again, then then we know. It's all exactly. yeah. <laughs> Thanks everyone for listening and we'll catch you all soon. All right. Cheers everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.